Yeah, yeah, it's Khalil. What's up? My name is Khalil, and this is Yeah, it's Khalil. This is episode three. And for this episode, I got to give a little bit of backstory, a little bit of information um, about current events, because that's going to tie into the topic for today. It's going to explain what, what led me to choose that topic and just explain my process, my thought process. So what's going on right now in Russia is uh, there's, there's protests all across the country right now since the 23rd of January. So I'm talking like thousands, like thousands of people are protesting and thousands are being arrested, being beaten by the cops. And these are peaceful protests. These are peaceful protests. So what happened was, if you don't know, Russian President Vladimir Putin is a dictator, essentially. This guy, he moves like a mob boss. There's there's really no one that, that can challenge him. Um, there's no one, even like outside of the country, there's no one that can really step to him. R- Russia's, Russia's a powerful country, militarily. Uh, and it just seems like, well, it doesn't seem like Putin effectively acts without consequence. I mean, he'll kill critics, he'll kill dissidents, he'll kill journalists, get killed for, for writing unfavorable stories. And, and I don't mean he kills them personally. He sends, you know, it's government agents, spies or secret service or whatever it is. So that's what he's doing within his own country. But He's also moving crazy outside his own country. I mean, a few years ago, this guy just pulled up to Ukraine and jacked the Crimean Peninsula. Just just took it. Like, annexed a part of another country. It's it's wild. Imagine if the U.S. did that to Mexico. They just pull up, take a province or a state of Mexico, and uh, and, and boom, that's, that's the U.S. now. Uh, the thing is, no one would do anything. Like, what's Canada going to do? We're going to wage war on the U.S. because they took a piece of Mexico? Mm, no. So Russia is kind of in the, in the same situation. No one's really going to mess with them. And uh, that gives them free reign to, to do not only... This is the thing. Not only is he annexing parts of countries, but he's assassinating people in other countries. So a couple of years... This was around the same time, within a few years of each other. Um, there was a Russian... A former Russian spy who was on the low working for the UK. So this guy was a double agent. And uh, I guess Russia wanted to still wanted to get him. So what they did was they had a, a Russian spy put this neurotoxin in, in like a gel form on his doorknob. So when this guy went home, he, he touched the doorknob, obviously, to open the door. And this gel started to soak into his fingers. But... It doesn't act right away. So it's not like he touched it and then he died on his doorstep. Nah, this guy took, I think they said it took like half an hour. So this guy opened his house, went in, did his thing. 30 minutes later, once this neurotoxin soaks into his skin and and hits his system, then he dies. It's crazy shit. And that's what brings me to what's happening today. So like I said, Putin... He he's very he he's not worried about killing critics or dissidents. So um, his his most outspoken. I mean, you can you can criticize him, but it's dangerous. I'm not saying he'll kill all like they kill all of them, 
but it's it's very dangerous. A lot of people get arrested for speaking out against uh, Putin himself or the Russian government in general. And uh, so anyway, Putin's biggest critic, Alexei Navalny, was arrested upon his arrival back in Russia. He was just in Germany. And what he was in Germany for is he was recovering from being poisoned with a neurotoxin. So we're going to have to rewind the clock a little bit. So he was out in Siberia somewhere. I can't remember exactly where. And he was in a hotel room. And some Russian agents, some Secret Service or spy agents, I don't know what they call their their agency, but uh, they snuck into his hotel room when he either wasn't there or when he was sleeping. I don't know exactly how they did it. And they took a neurotoxin, but this time it was in a powdered form. And they put it all up in this guy's underwear. They put it in the seams and the crotch and then disappeared. And then the next day, he puts on his underwear, obviously, <laughs> when he gets dressed. And, uh, and it didn't hit him right away. So he gets on a plane. He's flying back to Moscow. And then he gets sick. He gets violently ill. And he got so sick that the pilot had to had to turn the flight around and had to divert and land at a different airport. They were supposed to go to Moscow, which was about three hours. It would be three more hours on the flight. But he was too sick. So they turn around, they land at another airport, and the paramedics were, were luckily able to keep him alive enough, uh, long enough to get him to the hospital. And then he ended up in Germany to recover. So this was back in 2020. And then on the 23rd of January, he comes back to Russia, and he's arrested upon arrival. You can see why this would be a terrifying experience for him. And I don't know, I guess it was before his arrest. He anyway, he called for he, he called for protests. So he he actually put out this film. Uh it's a it's a really it's a really dope film. Um and it's all about him exposing Putin and exposing Putin's wealth, exposing his his cronyism, um his uh his corruption. And uh it's it's an it's almost 2 hours long actually, just under 2 hours long. And you can find it on YouTube. It's called Putin's Palace, History of World's Largest Bribe. So that's on YouTube. I would encourage everybody to go and watch it. It's in Russian, but there are subtitles. And it's really interesting and clearly dangerous. But this guy, this guy's a G. He didn't want to post it on YouTube until he got back to Russia because he didn't want to seem like he was, you know, running away. Like he didn't want to seem like he was in another country. Now that I'm safe, now I'll post this stuff. Now I'll, now I'll come for you because I'm safe. So he fully waited till he got back in Russia. And then he posted this shit. And that was a dangerous move. So that's what these protests are, are all about. They want this guy released. And they want Putin out. We'll see if that happens. Um, I'm not holding my breath. Let's say I'm not optimistic. Um, but I'm not pessimistic. I'm just kind of, I'm just waiting to see what happens. It's going to take a lot to get Putin out. So we'll see what happens. And so reading all of this, watching all of these videos, it's really made me feel extra grateful to live in Canada. And that's the thing I was already feeling especially grateful to live here, you know, with all this pandemic shit going on. I don't think we've handled the lockdown correctly or well at all, but in terms of social supports and in terms of services, 
in terms of safety, Canada is is one of the best places on earth you can live. I was feeling especially grateful to live here already. And reading about this story or these stories coming out of Russia has just made me feel extra grateful to live here because of our freedom to express ourselves. We have freedom of expression enshrined in our Charter of Rights and Freedoms as a fundamental freedom. No matter what, we have the freedom to express our opinions, our thoughts, our our ideas, our criticisms of, of the government. Like, we can say what we want about the Prime Minister. We can say what we want, what we really think about politicians. And, for example, uh, I used to have a podcast called Marjorie Park, and I had an episode on there. This was back in 2019. I had an episode on there covering the the election that year. And I went off on Trudeau. Like, I was saying some... I was saying some rude shit about Trudeau. I I don't know. I had some beef with him back then. But essentially, I just talked mad shit about him for like 30 minutes. And um, there's no consequences. But you can't do that in other countries. A lot of other countries. Like a lot of other countries. That you're going to have a bad time if, if you go talking shit about the leader. And I feel like in Canada, we don't really talk about it that much. We don't really appreciate the fact that we have this freedom i know in the state maybe it's just because i consume or we as canadians consume so much american media so i'm always hearing about the first amendment and stuff their their freedom of speech uh but in canada i don't really hear people talk about it that much but yeah it might just be because yeah man it's 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 something that we all need to really appreciate we really need to think about it and and talk about it and use it Using it, we have this freedom. We got to use it. If you got a problem with anybody in government, you got to use that voice because we can. And a lot of people in a lot of other countries would kill or die for that freedom. So we do have some limits, obviously, like uh, hate speech. You can't go around inciting violence, defamation. You can't be telling lies about people. We have some laws regarding obscenity. So that's how things like child porn don't slip through the cracks and get passed off as like art or some shit. Um, and then we have some issues with definitions. So, you know, hate speech is not exactly well-defined. It's not really clear what constitutes hate speech all the time, but that's for another episode. Really, I just want to focus on the fact that we have these freedoms, um, in this episode because we're not so obsessed with our, with our charter, like the states is with our constitution. But I think this is one key aspect that, you know, we don't have to we don't have to worship the charter, but this is one key part of it that I think people really need to understand that they have this this right and really understand what it means. I think it's crucial that we have the ability to criticize government without fear of reprisal. And I think this type of freedom of expression, the the way it's manifested itself in most Western nations, I think that is not only important for a functioning democracy, like for for the government to function correctly, but also for cultural evolution. I think it's important for music and movies and comedy and other forms of art that people are not afraid of expressing themselves. I mean, think about think about the United States. They're the the biggest exporter of really any type of art. 
like media of any kind, the, the, the largest exporter is the United States. And I think it's because they have this, I think it's because they have this huge freedom fetish. Like they can, I just think it's conducive to a very diverse and very active artistic scene, I guess. So I think it's really important that the government doesn't fuck with us when we have something to say. So this brings me to my next point, and I was actually going to make an episode about this a few weeks ago, but uh, for whatever reason, I didn't. But here's the thing. It's great to have freedom of expression protected by law. It's it's great to have this in the charter or in the constitution or um, in whatever country you're in, whatever document outlines your rights. But that doesn't mean that there aren't groups who want to stop you from exercising this right. There are many groups that, for whatever reason, whatever justification they have, they have a vested interest in keeping certain topics from spreading, keeping certain discussions from being had, and um, they either want to push a certain ideology or they want their ideology to be protected from criticism. And this is what I wanted to talk about. So France has been dealing with this for a number of years now. They've been dealing with terrorist attacks, but not only have these been terrorist attacks, but a lot of them have been explicitly uh, because of people using their, their right to express themselves, because of people exercising these freedoms. So a few years ago, this was 2015, Charlie Hebdo, which is a political satire magazine, on their cover, they'll publish like a satirical cartoon, and often they do religious figures. So they'll have the Pope, or they'll have like a Hasidic Jew, or they'll have the Prophet Muhammad. Um, and for Muslims, this is this is not allowed. Like for like Muslims are are not allowed to depict or draw or make any kind of visual representation of the Prophet or of God. So for them, that's forbidden, which is all good. That's that's their belief. But these terrorists took it upon themselves to punish the cartoonists for violating their beliefs, which is absolutely ridiculous. And they went up in the offices of Charlie Hebdo and they murdered the cartoonists. They murdered a, a, a few of them. And unfortunately, that was not the last time we saw violence because of these cartoons. So recently... In sometime in 2020, I don't remember the exact month, there was a, a teacher who was teaching a, a high school class about freedom of expression. Keep in mind, he's teaching a class on freedom of expression in France. Of course, he's going to mention Charlie Hebdo. Of course, he's going to talk about the cartoons. So one day, he showed the cartoons to his class. And word got out, word got out to some of the parents. They were calling for some kind of uh, justice. I don't know what exactly they meant. I don't know if they wanted him to apologize or if they wanted him to die. I don't know. I think they didn't really say what they wanted publicly. I think they did that for a reason. What ended up happening is an 18-year-old Chechen immigrant who had at some point become radicalized he was not a student of this high school, but he showed up one day and he killed the teacher and he beheaded him on school property, all for showing a cartoon. 
And this, this made me really angry. These, these extremists are such babies. They're such entitled and, and disgusting, despicable, violent people corrupting their religion and attacking innocent people simply for exercising their, their right to express themselves. And I mean, you don't have a right to not be offended. You, you have a right to, if, if you have a problem with someone saying something, then you use your words like a big boy. But these, these infantile extremists, they, they chose violence. And I think it's important that we reflect on the fact that these rights are, they must be protected. They must be protected from government and also from external forces because there are people, like I said, there are people and groups who do not want you to have these these freedoms and who don't who do not want you to exercise them when you do have them. And don't think that because this is something happening in France or because these protests going on in Russia, don't think that those don't have anything to do with us here in North America because they do. Just take a look at 2020. Take a look at all the police brutality we witnessed. Take a look at all the protests against police brutality that we witnessed, that we were a part of. Take a look at at all the people calling out politicians, police departments, and individual police officers, and and calling out other institutions for systemic racism and other kinds of human rights abuses. And I and we've seen some meaningful change since then. But in certain countries, like the ones I, I've mentioned before, in say Russia, in say China, Saudi Arabia, Iran. We wouldn't have the freedom to be criticizing the government like this, to be criticizing the the police like this, to to demand changes to laws. And it's put it into perspective over the last year for me that this is extremely important and extremely relevant to my life personally. Now I know not everyone's like this, but I personally find it really valuable and interesting. And I spent a lot of time just looking into different ideas, like different ideologies, different ways of life, different religions, different political systems, different different ways of living. I like to explore different belief systems and and pick out the good ideas and discard the bad ideas and see if I can apply certain things to my life in in certain ways. And I think that's something that would benefit everybody to do a little bit more. And one of the best ways to do that is to have open discussion with people who disagree with you, is to have open dialogue with people who hate you, who or to I mean, now we got YouTube. YouTube's a, a beautiful resource for that kind of stuff. You can go and watch any kind of debate on anything. Literally, like there's a debate for anything on YouTube. And it's great to see both sides of, of a divisive issue. Even if you're not convinced of the opposing position, it's just great to see someone really explain their thought process and even if it's an idea that's completely disgusting and maybe even antithetical to what we normally promote in um, in Canada, I still think it's valuable to understand what people believe and why they believe what they believe. And we just can't have that if we don't have this 
freedom to share our opinions and, and our thought processes, whether that's coming from the government, the government granting us these freedoms, or these other groups just not interfering with discourse. So I realized that these last three episodes, or these first three episodes, have had some pretty heavy subject matter, and that wasn't intentional. It's just there's some crazy shit going on right now, and there's a lot of... I, I just it's it's so easy to find like the the craziest stories or the the most intense stories and to talk about those but I think for next week I'm going to try and focus on something not as dark and maybe not political I realize I've been talking about politics in these last 3 episodes at least touching on it so next episode I'll try and have something a little bit different again not sure what that is but we shall see. And as for today's episode, that's really all I got. So tune in next Monday for episode four of Yeah, It's Khalil. Cool.